0: What is happening everybody you're listening to the raven's grove i'm your host dahi and this is the second episode of our series booze broads bots and bullets a celebration of dieselpunk where we'll be exploring the dieselpunk subculture in its various forms today's episode will be focusing around two of the most common vices found in dieselpunk fiction drinking and smoking and yes i will be listing some examples of these in fiction Now, before I go any further, as you can probably guess, this episode of The Raven's Grove features the following trigger warnings. Alcohol mentions, crime mentions, tobacco mentions, drug mentions, adultery mentions, murder mentions, gun related violence mentions, and corruption mentions. So if any of those are a trigger for you, please give this episode a miss. Right, so in the words of Cowboy Bebop, Spike Spiegel, three, two, one, let's jam. Now, as I mentioned in the first episode of the series, there are many different flavors of dieselpunk, but there are some common tropes that can be found in many of the different subgenres. For example, most of the dieselpunk fiction I've read or seen has a very large proportion of the characters either smoke, drink, or both. This is actually one of the myriad influences from both the actual jazz age and from film noir. See, in the Jazz Age, by which I mean the time period from the end of World War One in 1918 to the end of the 1940s, smoking was not only extremely common, tobacco companies would actually claim that quote-unquote physicians had said that smoking was good for you and that their brand of cigarettes were the best for, among other things, soothing irritated throats and helping treat asthma. Of course, in the modern day, the health hazards of smoking are well-known and documented across different scientific papers and journals across the globe. And I should also point out that the vast majority of the so-called physicians that were used in the ads by the cigarette companies were actually paid actors. In addition, nowadays, extremely graphic warning labels are plastered across every possible container of tobacco in many different countries, those risks and warnings don't stop characters in diesel punk stories smoking like chimneys, though, due to the chain smoking being an extremely common habit in film noir. In the case of Bigby Wolf from the Fables comics and the Wolf Among Us video game series from Telltale Studios, smoking is actually a necessity. You see, Bigby is literally the big bad wolf from the fairy tales, based in human form. And by the way, the Fables count- series counts as neo noir, so for me, it counts as diesel punk. So my point is, Bigby is the sheriff of Fable Town, which in the series is a region in New York City that uh, are populated by these people called Fables, which are basically the characters in the fairy tales we were told growing up. Like Mr. Toad from Wind in the Willows, Snow White, Goldilocks and Three Bears, Beauty and the Beast, Red Riding Hood, the Three Pigs, they all make major appearances, or in the case of Snow White, are vital characters in the series in their own right. Now, the thing is, Big B is still the big bad wolf from the stories. But in order, in order to travel for, to New York with the rest of the fables following the destruction of the homelands, Bigby allowed Snow White to wound him with a silver dagger. This me- allowed him to transform into humans, which means that technically, Big B is a wolf-were, by which I mean that he's a wolf that can turn into a human. However, he still can turn into a wolf the size of a house whenever he wants to, and one of the big problems he has while in human form is he still has the senses of a wolf. Basically, he still has the incomprehensibly powerful senses of smell and hearing that wolves possess, and this can easily cause sensory overload. Now, speaking as someone who actually has to deal with sensory overload because of my autism on a daily basis, I can completely relate to this. But how Bigby deals with it is quite unique. You see, Bigby changed most cigarettes in quantities that no one I've ever encountered in fiction has come close to, including John Constantine, so the smell will help drown out he is sensory overload with all the smells, millions of smells in New York. Thankfully, as a fable, Bigby is, functionally speaking, immortal, and he'll send the damage the cigarettes cause nearly instantly. But even with this habit, he still has to exert a truly insane amount of willpower to filter out the millions of sounds and smells found in New York City. Now, the next common trope found in both film noir and dieselpunk is one that most people associate with the genre perhaps even more than the smoking. I'm talking about drinking alcohol. The classic film noir hero will invariably drink like there's no tomorrow, with the only main exceptions to this rule being if the hero is a law enforcement agent working for a government-run organization during Prohibition. This is seen in Brian De Palma's excellent film from 1987, The Untouchables, where the character of Elliot Ness, played by Kevin Costner, doesn't drink a drop of alcohol until the film's conclusion. By the way, if you're after a really good gangster film, try The Untouchables out. It's got a phenomenal soundtrack by Ennio Morricone, some of the best acting in Kevin Costner's career, and honestly, Rob De Niro is flawless as Al Capone. Be warned, though, it is very violent and graphic. But if those aren't triggers for you, then my advice is give it a watch. Getting back on topic here, there are several types of alcoholic drinks that turn up a lot in digital fiction. First is the protagonist's drink, which is nearly always some kind of hard liquor, such as bourbon or whiskey, but in some cases, you do get tequila, rum, or vodka. These drinks are usually drunk without a mixer, and either drunk on the rocks, meaning with ice, or neat or straight, which means without any mixes or ice. In fact, for the protagonist of a Dieselpunk story to drink a cocktail is actually quite rare, with the vast majority of cocktails being drunk by a protagonist being very simple and also very strong. That being said, some of the supporting characters may be more inclined to drink cocktails such as the femme fatale, the love interest, the sidekick, the gangster or crime boss, a contract killer or a reporter, to name but a few. Some examples of cocktails that may be drunk during a dieselpunk story include the, the martini and the vodka martini, the rusty nail, the south side, the old fashioned, the sidecar, the Sazerac, the aptly named corpse reviver, the antifreeze, the tank and finally the zombie. Now, like I said, those are just some of the cocktails, and many of those were actually from the 1920s, days, and 40s. So, just so you know. Now for some of the examples I was mentioning earlier. Now, for example, the character of Theodore Wiseman in the Troubleshooter story The Wise Man says he drinks a rusty nail, which is a cocktail made by mixing 3 parts scotch with one-part whiskey liqueur in a tumbler over ice. While the main character in the Troubleshooter series, Mick Trouble, spelt T-R-U-B-B-L-E, drinks bourbons like Jack Daniels or Bullet and he drinks them neat, meaning without having anything added to them and without ice. This shows that Mick is the protagonist and that Wiseman is a secondary character. However, also in the Troubleshooter series, the Sinoid known as Hunter Valentino drinks straight absinthe without anything else. Now, traditionally when you drink absinthe, you've got to mix it with, you pour it over a sugar cube to help weaken the flavor or dilute it so that it's not outright isn't that strong but the reason the hunter drinks it is partly due to his being a synthetic android hence the term synoid and thus needing alcohol to recharge his fuel cells It also shows to ser- serves to show the reader the hunter is a clearly not your standard character because absinthe is very rare to find a diesel punk character drinking and b there is is a complete and total badass which take it from me he is moving away from the trouble Shear series we turn to a series. That was actually one of my first experiences with punk as a genre. I'm talking about the Franny Fisher franchise, which is both the books by Kerry Greenwood and the, quite frankly, incredible TV show on the Australian TV channel ABC1. If you're not familiar with the franchise, the, um, the right honourable Miss Franny Fisher, to give her a full title, is a 20-something woman in 1920s Melbourne, Australia, who is not only fabulously wealthy, despite growing up in poverty in the slums of pre-World War I Melbourne, She's also a razor-sharp private detective and a classic example of a femme fatale. Seriously, both the books and the TV show are amazingly well done, and if you're after a really riveting story set in the 1920s, I cannot recommend her highly enough. The first novel in the series is called Cocaine Blues, if you want to look it up for yourself. Now, as she's an extremely wealthy femme fatale from the 1920s, Friday's drink choices are quite different from what you'd normally expect from women in that time period. She drinks scotch and champagne quite often, which instantly mark her out of the ordinary for that era. As generally speaking, women in the time period before World War I didn't usually drink that much scotch unless they were part of like artistic or fringe uh, groups in society. Once you start getting to the 1920s, it starts to become a bit more common. But realistically, it wasn't really socially acceptable outside of very artistic or bohemian circles for women to drink scotch in that time period. However, according to the official Franny Fisher website, she also enjoys the occasional cocktail. The cocktails are most commonly found in the books, as endorsed by the author Kerry Grimwood, are the Old Fashioned, the Sidecar, Champagne Punch, Sherry Cobbler, the Martini, the Maiden's Prayer, the Fallen Angel, and the Negroni so that's just in part two of the series folks in the next episode i'm going to be talking about the technology that you find in punk fiction and that's all for today thanks for listening to the raven's grove i've been taheem you've been awesome i'll talk to you in the next episode see ya